Hey there, True Multifamily listeners, Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here today with author Avery Carl of The Short-Term Shop and The Mortgage Shop. Avery, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm very happy to have you on the show. I have in my hands, hot off the presses, uh, your new book from Bigger Pockets. Super exciting. Um, it just came in yesterday, and I'm I'm so thrilled to have gotten it, and and really excited. Um, tell us just in general, you know how how's it going? How's um, the release of the book been? It's been pretty awesome. Uh, I am told we sold more in two weeks than the average release does in about six. So excited there you about go. that! Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I jumped ahead. Um, start off by telling our audience, who, who are you and, and what do you do? Yeah, so my name is Avery Carl. I am the author of Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. I am also a real estate investor and agent. I own an agency called The Short-Term Shop, brokered by EXP. They will smack me if I don't say that. <laughs> um, and then also uh, The Mortgage Shop, which is our mortgage arm. Um, I own about 100 doors, but... I owned zero doors about five years ago, and I was able to get from zero to 100 in just about five years because we invested in short-term rentals really heavily towards the beginning of our portfolio. And because those cash flows so much heavier and they're so much easier to finance than like multifamily, for example, um, we were able to grow our portfolio much more quickly than we would have if we just started with, you know, traditional single family long-terms. Yeah, I love that. And I love that. That's a a driver sort of at the end of the book, which, which we'll get to is like, you've done all this. You talk about short-term the whole, the whole way. And you're like, by the way, this is all just to feed the engine of the longer term wealth creating. Right. Um, so I, I love that you're keeping that perspective in mind. Uh, but I'd love to talk through the book and, and, uh, and I have a lot of questions because this is something I'm, I'm personally interested in. And also um, not only on, on a side business, but, you know, our audience knows I manage, we're, we're up over 1200 doors now, multifamily, mid-sized multifamily deals. And I am trying to figure out how do we juice our returns on the real estate we already own, like multifamily. And can we put a short-term element into some of our properties, which I think is going to be the next sort of phase of our business plans on a lot of our properties. So we'll get there and, and I want to get into it, but um, sort of, you know, you said you started in short-term rentals. Uh, how, how does that, how does that start? Um, was that your first deal? Was, was you decided to do a short-term rental? Tell us about that. So actually our first short-term rental was our second deal. So the first okay. deal, and I guess I'll start at the beginning. So, yeah. uh, my husband and I moved to Nashville in 2013 from New York city and we wanted to buy a house because it's really hard to do that in New York. Uh, and, so our real estate agent at the time, I didn't have my license yet. I was going to grad school. Uh, our real estate agent was really trying to get us to buy in this super hipster part of Nashville saying, oh, wow, it's appreciating so fast. People are, their houses are worth double in two years and they're making so much money on this appreciation. 
And we're like, eh, no, we moved here from Brooklyn. We want, we moved to Tennessee to move out in the country. We don't want neighbors. So we did that. We bought something out in the country. And then we had a little bit of money left over and we thought, well, that doesn't sound terrible. I mean, we're planning on getting married and having kids. And then maybe if we bought this one house or maybe one or two that when the kids are grown and they go to college, we can sell the houses and it'll pay for their college. And we'll just be like the smartest people ever. We're, we'll be the best <laughs> personal finance budget people in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not realizing that's a terrible way to like a terrible strategy. So we did that. We bought one and it was actually a really good one. Just 1031 exchange that into a 26 unit apartment building. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that one was the payment on that was about 650 a month and we were getting about 1500 a month in rent. So not bad at all. And once we got that first rent check on that, we thought, oh, wow, this is cool. This is something that could be life-changing. We want to build a business out of this. So then we did all the actual education of ourselves on um, real estate investing. We didn't even know it was called real estate investing. So we started reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, going to the meetups, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we said, well, we have just this small amount we have just enough left money to buy one more property. What can be one single family, unfortunately, not like a big multifamily. Uh, so we said, well, what can we buy with this one down payment to make the most amount of money, the fastest, so we can buy more faster. We landed on short-term rentals. Did not want to do it in Nashville because the regulations in Nashville are constantly changing. It's very anti-short-term rental. So we are like, that, that will sink us. So we thought, where can we get? And we just gotten back from camping in the Smoky Mountains. And we were like, well, everybody goes and rents cabins in the Smokies and somebody owns those. So let's buy one of those. So once again, without knowing anyone who had done that before or really having any sort of mentorship or education on it, we thought, well, we can do this and we can do it from Nashville too. I know there's a way. So we bought one, uh, figured out how to manage it remotely. This was about 2016. Figured out how to manage it remotely. Really just need a cleaner and a handyman and some tools that we can talk about later. And so we did it and it worked out really well. Scaled that to about five of them in the Smokies within about a year and a half. And uh, quickly, I mean, the rest is kind of history. I got my license on our second short-term rental transaction because I found that there weren't really any real estate agents in the space who specialized in that, who could really answer a lot of our questions in terms of you know, what property should be able to make, remote self-management, things like that. So I became that agent and bridged that gap and started what would eventually become the short-term shop. Now we have offices in seven markets, actually eight, one we're announcing next week. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So not only do we sell the properties, but like we we teach all of our clients how to self-manage so that they can then, you know, not have to pay a property manager 25% and go grow their portfolios as well. Wow. So you <laughs> you said the first sort of indicator or the first reasoning to, to get out of town was the regulations. Can you mm-hmm. talk about what what are some regulations that would stop you from wanting to pick up a short term rental? And how do I tell what those might be? Yeah. So um, over time, we have focused in on a certain type of market that we stick to. Uh, called I call it a regional drivable vacation rental market, but uh, because those typically have the most favorable regulations. But if you're like just thinking, okay, you know, I think I want to buy a short-term rental. I think I want to buy it in the town that I live in. The first place you want to go is the city codes or city planning, zoning departments. Each city has like a slightly different title and see what the regulations are on short-term rentals. Because in Nashville, for example, there are only some very, very small little 
areas and zonings that you can actually legally operate one. So you can't just run off and buy something and start short-term renting it. You really have to make sure that you're allowed to, um, which is the reason that we stick to those regional drivable vacation rental markets is because these are areas like the Smokies in Tennessee or Destin, Florida, where people have always come to these areas and rented cabins, beach houses, condos, rather than hotels since well before Airbnb. So all those zoning battles and things with the city were fought decades and decades and decades ago, like in the 20s in Destin. <laughs> so the regulations are very established. The cities and counties are so dependent on the income from these things because there really is no hotel presence that it would be just shooting themselves in the foot to ever regulate against them. So that's why we kind of stick to those types of markets. But city planning, zoning, codes, departments, where you want to start to make sure you can do it. Got it. Got it. And then you said, um, you know, you said that you picked some houses and kind of just got started. But what makes what kind of house makes for a good short term rental? So you want to pick something that is what the tourists of that area have come to expect. So mountain market, that's easy. Cabin. You don't want to buy like a 70s brick ranch house or even like a mid 2000s, just normal house that feels like you could pick it up and move it anywhere in the country and you wouldn't be able to tell. You want it to be a cabin. Uh, in the beach markets, same, same idea. You want it to be a beach house. Again, probably not like just a house that looks like you could move it anywhere, but you know, the cute bright colors or white is kind of the new beach house color now, uh, or, you know, a condo. Um, mm -hmm. Just as long as it's a cute, nice place to stay and um, it doesn't feel like someone lives there when there's not people in there, then you're going to be all right. But as long as it's what the tourists have come to expect of the area, then that's all you have to do. Right, right. Can you talk in your book, you talk about the different kinds of markets like a metro market and vacation markets. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the three types are metro markets like Nashville, New York, Atlanta, places like that. Uh, the big fly to vacation tourism dependent markets. So these are the ones that are like really expensive that people save all year to go to, like flying to Mexico, flying to Hawaii, flying to Aspen. Uh, and then there's the regional drivable markets that we stick to that are also tourism dependent. But the ones that we stick to are the regional drivable markets. These are areas that are also dependent on tourism. So not a lot of jobs outside of tourism. And uh, these are areas that the majority of the people who come here are driving there and not flying there. So they're both accessible and affordable. And because of that, they're the most recession resistant. Nothing's recession proof, but recession resistant. So because they have the favorable regulations, like in 2008, when people didn't have any money and they couldn't fly to Aspen, well, they could still drive to the Smoky Mountains or Big Bear, you know, where depending on where they live in the country. Um, or, you know, maybe they're not flying to Mexico, but they can drive to Panama City Beach. And then last year, because it's affordable, you don't have to get a plane, not a big mm -hmm. deal. Uh, then last year with COVID, people did not want to go to big metro areas. And again, they didn't want to get on planes, not because they couldn't afford it, but because they didn't want to get sick. So they were driving to areas that were, you know, five to eight hours away from their houses. So it's also accessible. So because they have favorable, favorable regulations, they're affordable and accessible. That's why we focus on those. But there's, I mean, doing metro markets or big fly to markets is not wrong. This is just the, the way we've chosen to do it because it feels the safest to us. The tenant base, I guess, if you call, do you call them tenants? The guests? Yes. The guests? Yeah. Yes guest base for a vacation versus the metro market i i guess is is it different is is the metro market more like the business traveler type 
Metro markets are going to have more types of travelers because okay. it'll be business travelers. People could be coming there on vacation. They could be coming to visit family. Um, you know, they could just need a temporary place to stay while they're in between primary homes. Whereas vacation markets is going to be so strictly vacationers. Got it. So does that change how you decorate it or furnish it or the types of amenities you put in the units? Um, it just depends. Uh, again, it kind of just goes back to like what is expected of okay. from tourists in the market. So how do, how do you know? How do you know what, what's expected? And I'm hoping you're going to tell me just go stay at a bunch of Airbnbs. Is that, is yeah, that yeah. You, well, you I mean, <laughs> so that one, there's no like real science to it. It's just like, if you're looking at Airbnb and you're looking at a bunch of places and you're like, I would stay here. Would you stay here? Yeah, I would stay here. Um, my husband calls it the football test. If he's like, oh yeah, I can sit on that couch and watch football. Then, <laughs> um, then it, it, that is really just kind of like your horse sense a little bit. Like, do you want yeah. to, if you're looking at places in Panama city beach to go visit and you're scrolling through Airbnb and there's all these cool looking places. And then there's one place that's like, you know, way off from the beach and is not the same aesthetic. You're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I probably yeah. don't want to go there. So it's, right. there's no science to that. It's just like, would you stay there? Okay, cool. Go right. Lots of research and you get to stay, stay some places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Um, so I have so many questions. I have to write them all down. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the projections here, right? Because in my business, multifamily, like we have a very solid underwriting plan. I understand the income and the expenses. I, I know how to operate that business. Uh, if I want to move into to short-term rentals, I think the biggest you know sort of thing looming over my head is like the occupancy rate. And how do I project how much I'm actually going to make you know, expenses we can probably figure out, but just take me through the income and the expenses and, and how you do the projections on those. Yeah. So uh, multifamily is probably the most difficult place to be coming into short-term rental from because it's so easily laid out in a spreadsheet and the rent is the same every month for a right. year or longer if, uh, if depending on how your leases are. So everything fits really nicely into a spreadsheet when you're multifamily. Yeah. Short-term is very much a range because it's not just this is the rent and that's what it is. It's the rent or the income over the course of a year is really more dependent on the manager than it is the property itself. And um, an example that I like to use regarding that is two people who own the exact same property on the exact same street who manage everything exactly the same, except for one of them has a two night minimum night stay and the other one has a five night minimum night stay. The two night minimum night stay person is going to make more money because they have less, they don't have those one, two, three, four night holes in their calendar. So mm. um, there are a lot of little tweaks like that. So it's always a range. Uh, what I recommend doing, so unpopular opinion, or maybe not necessarily unpopular, but surprising opinion is that rental history means nothing. It is what one random property manager has done with one random property. It is not any kind of a baseline. Uh, so what I recommend people do is get as many data points as possible on the number of bedroom property that you're looking at in a market. There's a few places you can get this. So AirDNA is one. Their data is not perfect, but nobody's data is perfect. But AirDNA is a data company that specializes in measuring the performance of short-term rentals that are on Airbnb and VRBO. Uh, it's a data scrape of all of those properties that were on. I think their data goes back to, to 2014. And you can see the average occupancy rate, average gross annual income, average price per night of the prop all the properties in that market based on number of bedrooms. Another place to get it 
is uh, there's a tool that you use after you buy a short-term rental to help you price things called a pricing manager. But there's one called Price Labs that we use personally. And they have a function called the market dashboards that also gives you really good data on the performance of properties in a market. I think I think I paid like 25 bucks per market on that one. Okay. That's a great spot. Um, a lot of the big national property managers like Vacasa, Evolve that have all this unlimited money behind them. Uh, those guys have really great data too that like you and I as normal people can't get to. So get as many of many data points of that kind of data as you can and kind of come up with your baseline of, okay, I think this is about what this property should be able to do. Got it. How do you predict how full the property will be? How, how do I know that I'll fill it for 10 nights a month or 20 or, or, or I'll be full the whole month, right? How do, how do I put, put those numbers together? So a lot of that data will tell you that and okay. you'll be able to see the occupancy rate. We also use something in conjunction with looking at data called the enemy method, which is so the data numbers can't tell you everything, right? It can't tell you why the numbers are the way that they are. So we use the enemy method to kind of figure that out. So the enemy method, you just zoom in on the neighborhood that you're looking to buy in on Airbnb or VRBO or both and look at your enemies or your neighbors. And uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> look at, uh, you know, how in the enemy method, you can only really see like the next two months of what's going on. So you okay. can't really see any history, right. but you can see, you know, you know, if it's the middle of July that all these properties should probably be booked because it's the summertime and this is the peak season. So uh, you can see how booked these places are for the next two months, what their cleaning fee is. So you know what to use as your cleaning fee when you're doing your expenses, but mm -hmm. also to see. If the property's right around yours, if there's any outliers that would be dragging the data up or down, like maybe if one has really, really terrible pictures, like flip phone pictures, and you can't really see anything and you know, nobody's booking this thing because it looks terrible. Uh, so that would be dragging it down. Or if you have like a really, really beautiful, um, you know, four bedroom, but it's got an indoor pool and it's got a slide and all this stuff that yours doesn't have. Well, that's going to be making more than yours. That's going to be dragging the data up. So right. you're going to use the enemy method to figure that out. But um, you really want to pay more attention to the gross annual income than you do the occupancy rate because, um, so my four bedroom in the Smokies and my four bedroom in Destin, Florida gross about the same amount of money each year, but my four bedroom in Destin makes it all between March and the beginning of November. Mm -hmm. So the Smokies is making that all over the course of the year. My place in Destin is making all of that in three seasons, and then uh, you kind of get a break the rest of the year. So a lot of people get scared of, you know, that gap in occupancy. And, uh, but really it's really, I'm making the same amount as what I'm making in the Smokies, but the Smokies just feels busier because it's all year. So all year. Um, yeah, so occupancy rate can be a little bit uh, misleading. You want to look at the gross annual income. Got it. Well, you mentioned management, you mentioned operations. Tell me about that. You said you're self-managing these properties that are yes. that are hours away from you. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Yeah, so super easy. Like most people who are buying short-term rentals now are doing this just because the average property management split in short-term, way, way different than long-term. I will mm -hmm. let me make that distinction. I have all my long-terms with a property manager. Short-terms, different deal. Um, the average split is about 25% of your gross. And to give you some perspective into that, of my eight short-term rentals, two of which have only been on half the year, so it'll be more than this next year, but we're gro we'll gross by the end of the year, right about 800,000. 
So if I'm paying a property manager 25%, that is $200,000 that I'm giving to somebody to basically be a glorified scheduler that mm. all of that can be done from my phone. And that's a lot of money. You know, that's a million dollar. You can get a 15 unit apartment building somewhere for that, or, you know, a yeah. million dollar short-term rental. So um, there's really, if you are, and I'm not saying that property managers are bad. It's just, there's a time and a place for it. And if you're somebody who's really trying to grow your portfolio, maximize that cash flow, property manager is probably not the partner to help you do that. So to, to self-manage, you really just need a few things. You need a cleaner and a handyman boots on the ground. That's it. You can build out everyone else from there. Your cleaner is probably going to know a roofer or HVAC tech, or you just need to start with those two people. Uh, you need the Airbnb and VRBO apps. You need a channel manager, which a channel manager is like the big, the major thing that makes this so easy. Uh, what a channel manager is, is it's a piece of software that brings all of your listings on all of the different booking platforms to one dashboard. And it also automates all the communication across all of those dashboards. And so basically we have all of anything that anybody could ask all the FAQs anyway, unless they get really, really specific auto responses. So we're only okay. really having to respond to people manually. If they ask something really, really specific, like, Hey, where's your spatula? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so um, most everything kind of runs itself. Uh, the channel manager also syncs with your whatever type of calendar your cleaner is using. So you're not having to coordinate that. So if somebody books my property on Airbnb, it will put it on my cleaner's calendar. Hey, you have a clean this day. So automates that. And uh, you, uh, some of the major uh, channel managers that people use are IGMS, Your Porter, uh, Hostfully is another one. There's there's quite a few of them. Smart B&B. Uh, and then there, you need a, a pricing manager, which we talked about. So the pricing manager is, it syncs to all of your platforms too. And what that does is it's analyzing past booking data, present booking data in the whole market, times of year, are there big events going on? and optimizes your pricing and automatically puts it at the highest price that it thinks you're able to get. Oh, and okay. All right. Yeah, That's it's nice. awesome. <laughs> yeah, when we switched <laughs> from doing that manually a few years ago to using Price Labs, our income went up about 20% just from it optimizing for wow. us. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then, so you need those two pieces of software. And then as far as hardware, you just need a, a smart lock that you can change the code remotely, smart thermostat so that you can of course, save money on electricity when people are not in there and adjust the thermostat as needed and a ring camera. Got it. Got it. So all in for those softwares as compared to a manager, you know, you said maybe $200,000 a year for a manager. What do you think you pay for, for all those tools and softwares? Um, Airbnb is 3% of your bookings. VRBO just switched to something similar. We were paying 500 bucks a year for that, but it just mm -hmm. changed uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what it changed to. It did. It switched to a percentage. Um, and then your Porter, I think is less than 50 bucks a month. Same thing with price labs. And then the rest of the stuff, you know, just a one-time fee. And then I think your ring subscription is you know, less than 20 bucks a month too. So it's not, so not somewhere, much somewhere less than less than 5% or so of what you'd be paying a manager for. Yeah. Um, but what about those extra circumstances, those cases where the guests can't find the key or they destroy the house from a big party? Or I'm sure you've got some horror stories. So may, if you wouldn't mind, maybe share yeah. a horror story with us. I would yeah. love to hear it. Absolutely. So I've never actually had anyone destroy my house. 
Lucky you. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we ask a lot of questions up front, uh, even with, with just our, um, automated questions, uh, to make sure that we're not getting party because partiers and complainers will out themselves almost immediately. You can spot a complainer a mile away. Cause they're going to be like, Oh, um, you know, I'm allergic to this. I need you to unplug any air fresheners. And also what are the, what's the thread count of your sheets? They'll, they'll be just asking ridiculous questions. So you can just say, Oh, you know, I don't think you're going to be comfortable. The partiers will out themselves too. They'll be like, Oh yeah, this is the greatest place for my bachelor party. Can't wait to come. Like you'd be surprised. You don't have to do a lot of digging. So <laughs> because we ask those questions, we haven't had much damage at all. I mean, stuff gets up and walks away, small things like, uh, you know, dish rags and things like that. Um, but I'm trying to think of a horror story. Uh, so, okay. So I have had a girl who, and this was back before we had, this was a, at a property where we did not have internet at the time we do now, but the way the property was situated on the mountain, they couldn't get regular internet out there. And the way it was pointed with the trees and stuff, they couldn't get satellite internet because it was behind the trees. So it just had no internet. So we couldn't use a true smart lock, just a keypad lock with a code. So the girl who was renting it came home at like one o'clock in the morning and she was so hammered that she could not, <laughs> she couldn't put the code into the code into oh, the no. lock. And she tried it so many times that she ran it out of batteries. So oh, boy. Um, you do want to, in the event that your smart lock stops working, you want to have, I, I recommend two hidden keys in a lockbox somewhere on the property. Smart. So at, at that time uh luckily one of us was awake and we do put business hours on our listing saying like we're not answering the phone after 7 30 you're on your own mm -hmm. uh, but one of us happened to be up and told her how to get the the key but that's probably the worst thing that's happened is she couldn't she was so drunk she did it so many times that she ran it out of battery <laughs> it's a good lesson learned though about that backup key makes yeah. a lot of sense wow that i mean that's great so i i think maybe the vacation market as well you're probably getting a certain type of guests that, you know, it's not going to be as hard on those, those properties and units as maybe in a Metro market. I, I don't know if you have any information kinda. on the, the differences. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. So, and this was not on purpose or by design, but so in the places that I invest, which is the Smokies, Destin, Florida, 30A, Florida, and Cape Sandblast. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, anybody can like party wherever they want, however they want, but there's not like a strip like in Nashville, where you can just go bar hop. So you don't get a lot of those people that are just coming to straight up party and like, you know, go to every bar and go to the Titans game and come back. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you could go to a restaurant and get tore up, but, uh, or do it in the house. But a lot of people aren't coming to do that because that, there's not really a place to just bar hop like yeah, that. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned some of the the team members, you know, starting with the cleaner, I think, and, and the handyman. Um, how do you, you know, I, I mean, I've had experience with cleaners, you know, sometimes they cancel on me or they're not available or they take, you know, hours to like, how do you find the cleaner that works for your business and the infrequent or, or I guess maybe inconsistent scheduling that, that might need to happen for that? So that's kind of another pro of why we pick the markets that we pick, because these are big, you know, short-term rentals are 
big business around here. Even if they're not all self-managed, there's tons and tons and tons of big local property managers that have been around a long time. So most of the cleaners that are out there have either cleaned for those types of companies before or are full-time short-term rental cleaners like this. So you're not having to find somebody who's used to cleaning primary homes Mm. once a week and having to train them. They all already kind of have their processes down. Uh, You just have to find them. And it's not that hard to find. And people get really intimidated by that. So typically there'll be some kind of short-term rental investor Facebook group about, you know, about that one market. Like the Smoky Mountains has like 20 of them. Uh, Destin has a bunch. You can always find them, find other hosts. Uh, So I would try Facebook, Facebook Marketplace in those areas. Um, Ask other investors, which obviously you would find them on those platforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, The worst case scenario you can just go on Airbnb and look at the other hosts that are right in the little area you're trying and send them a message and ask them to please share their cleaner with you. <laughs> and some, I mean, you're going to get told no a lot, but you only need one person to say yes, just to get you started. And then mm-hmm. as you get going and like, oh, you have to call a plumber to come fix something, you know, they're probably going to know a cleaner and you just kind of accumulate business cards and contacts that way. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, and I guess same, same on the maintenance side as well, right? Yep. Same on the maintenance side. Yeah. You know, you're, you're dispelling a lot of fear. I guess I've, I've, I, I've had concerns of like, man, what if the tenants don't leave, uh, when, when the time's up, right. And the, the cleaners have to get in and the next crew is four hours behind, you know, coming in. How, how do you handle if you, if you haven't had to, that's great. But how would you handle like, Tenants don't want to leave or they they want to stay an extra day, but but you can't get them out. I mean, there's got to be a whole slew of, of objections or issues that tenants could bring up or sorry, guests could bring up. Um, what What's your plan for when those things happen? So I've not had that happen ever, but since it's a short term rental and they do not have tenants rights unless they're staying mm-hmm. over 30 days, you can just call a sheriff and they will come remove them from your property. I've never got had it. to do that. Uh, And typically, if you have to get like Airbnb or VRBO involved and they can see, oh, you have another guest checking in, um, they'll they'll handle getting them out or they'll handle communicating with them to put pressure on getting them out, not on actually getting them out physically. Airbnb police helicopter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Um, So you mentioned communication with tenants, a lot of automatic responders. That's through what the channel manager software Mm -hmm. you have that channel manager. Yep. Okay. Um, are there, um, other people on your team, you mentioned sort of towards the back of the book about virtual assistants. How do you use virtual assistants and who else do you need on your side to run this kind of business? So once I recommend when you only have one or two properties to do it all yourself. So you're really immersing yourself in figuring out how to teach someone else how to do it before you just hire a VA and you don't know what you're doing yet either. And then if they ever leave, then you're up a creek. So uh, we have eight, we got a VA, I want to say we've had him for like a year and a half. And we just kind of, he, he has our passwords to all of the platforms and everything. And he's just kind of handling situations as they come up. So he would shadow us as we were dealing with, you know, things that come up all the time and learn how to do it. So he's just kind of taking that over. And he does a lot of other stuff for us too, outside of just the short-term management. He's involved in a lot of other of our investing stuff, but um, it doesn't take him. So I say that to illustrate that even though he does most of that for us, it still does not take him like a full work day every day to do that. He's doing a lot of other stuff for us too. Right. 
right? How much time would you say that you spend on this business, on the ongoing management of it? Separate out, like looking for for new places. Okay. Yeah. Well, and once you get past the, like setting up a property stage, like just the management ongoing, we have eight, we're probably spending like maybe three or four hours a week on it. If that. Got it. So it's something that you really rely on your systems and processes, the the teams you have set up and you kind of just get that engine rolling and then, and then it goes. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe a few little tips at the end here. Um, how do I make my short-term rental stand out? You mentioned scrolling through the enemies and seeing what everyone else has. What do you do to, to attract that, the eye of, of that guest? Well, the number one thing, and it sounds like a silly small thing, but you would be surprised how many people don't do it. Just like how many real estate agents don't do it. Uh, professional photos, like get some nice photos taken. It's a few hundred bucks. And it will, it makes a huge difference. Just the difference in a professional looking at the lighting than like myself with my iPhone thinking I know what I'm doing. Um, professional photos are a big one. Uh, in terms, and you just want it to be like sparkling clean. You don't want to have a bunch of knickknacks everywhere. Uh, less is more when it comes to decorating a short-term rental. Like you don't want it to look like an asylum, but you want you know, you want it to be pretty minimalist. And then a lot, what a lot of people do, uh, is hire a muralist to do like an Instagram wall, like a big mm. welcome to Destin, Florida wall. Uh, because a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to take a, I want to take pictures in front of that and they will book your place. So that's a good inexpensive a way good yeah, yeah, to make things stand out. I've, I've had some people who are like, I'm going to make this whole floor, a ball pit like McDonald's. <laughs> and I'm what? like, yeah. I'm like, you don't have to, if you're buying in the right market, you don't have to do anything that crazy. Just make it cute, nice place to stay. Doesn't have to be the newest, just really clean and nice photos. Okay. And what if you're like me and have a hard time with interior design, <laughs> knowing what's cute or whatnot? Mm -hmm. Like how, who do I call? What kind of person can I call that help me with that type of design? Yeah. Great question. So in vacation markets, whether it's the big expensive ones or the drivable ones, typically the places are going to come furnished and decorated already because you're buying okay. something that was already a short-term rental. So maybe that would be a good place for someone like you. Okay. Uh, and typically also those types of markets have lots of, like I live in Destin and there are tons of uh, furniture and decor stores that specialize in helping out-of-state vacation homeowners and investors get their places set up. Got it. Got it. Makes, makes sense. Um, okay. We're going to transition to the end here. Um, before we go, please tell everyone about the book and the company and anything else you want, you want to share with our audience. Awesome. So pick up my book, short-term rental, long-term wealth at biggerpockets.com slash STR book. It is also available on Amazon and audible. Uh, if you're interested in buying a short-term rental with us uh, at the short-term shop, and learning how to manage it. We have offices in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, Blue Ridge, Georgia, Gulf Shores, Alabama, Crystal Beach in Galveston, Texas, Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and then three markets in Florida. We are in the Disney market outside Orlando, the Emerald Coast, which is Destin, 30A, Panama City Beach, and also the Forgotten Coast, which is Cape Sandblast, Port St. Joe, St. George Island, and Mexico Beach. And uh, if you are in need of a loan, in any market, not just the ones we work in, we have the mortgage shop, which is geared towards short-term rental investors as well. 
Well, I'll probably be calling you for for that. Uh, <laughs> this is definitely a, a side business that that I'm looking to to get into. Okay, before we go, um, I always ask people for their true multifamily tip. I'm going to change a little bit for you, but someone comes to you and says, "Avery, I'm coming to you right now. Avery, mm-hmm. I want to get into the short term rental business. What is the your tip for me on how to get started?" Uh, come to one of my getting started calls and buy <laughs> buy one with me, buy one with us. Cause we'll, not only will we make sure you're buying something that's going to be successful, we are going to make you successful. Uh, all of our clients who use us as their buyer's agents in any of the markets that we work in, we teach you how to set up everything and get you rolling for free. So no extra oh, costs. Amazing. Yeah. We're, so we'll make you successful. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. One more. What is okay. one tip in the design or setup of the house that most people may not think about, but you think is absolutely important? <sighs> um, the design. I hate bunk beds. A lot of mm. people want to shove a bunch of bunk beds into, into like a, a two bedroom house and they want it to sleep 20 people and they just have bunk beds lined up. I hate that. I think that attracts the wrong kind of renter, like the discount seeker and partiers. Uh, I like, you know, just a, a king in every room and maybe a uh, a couch, a pullout couch, you're going to make more money because you have better renters that are not looking to try and slam a hundred people in a small space. That's the tip of the day right there. I love that. So <laughs> Avery, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you guys missed it, uh, the link to Avery's book, website, all of her companies will be on our website, truemultifamily.show. Avery, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily.